Welcome to episode 44 of the Bass Lessons Melbourne Player Profile Podcast. My name is Craig Strain and this week's guest is Tim Kernick. Um, Tim is a bass player from Sydney uh, and he's buddy mini tours all over the place actually. Um, he's currently playing bass for Australian outfit Killing Heidi. Uh, and he's also appeared in shows with Rita Ora and he kind of got of his... Um, of his schooling and um, he cut his teeth playing with the late great Jackie Orzatsky um, up in Sydney. Um, Tim has a real um, deep understanding of bass, his role in music and um, how to make it work for him. I think um, he's a master of effects and he's got a deep pocket um, and you know uh, he's quite quite creative and quite inventive with his approach to things. So. Um, it was really interesting to sit with him and, and have a chat about his approach to things. Um, I apologise for some of the audio issues in this. Um, there's a bit of a problem with the microphones rubbing against things, so um, I, 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 again, I apologise for that. And I also apologise for the lateness of this episode. It's been a busy month for me. Um, I just released a new EP with my band Pickpocket. Um, the track you're listening to at the minute um, is a little bass feature from that EP. It's called Permutations. You can find it on the Pickpocket Bandcamp website or um, on Spotify, etc. Um, as always, guys, I really appreciate you listening to this podcast. If you enjoy it, then please let me know. Shoot me an email, info at basslessonsmelbourne.com. Leave a review, um, share it with your friends and all that good stuff. Anyway, here is episode 44, Tim Kernick. Thank you. 
How you doing? This is Craig here from Bass Lessons Melbourne and welcome to another Player Profile episode. Today I'm joined by Tim Kernick, all the way down from Sydney. Yep. Um, welcome. Thank you. It's good to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we managed to line this up. Yeah, worked out very well. Yeah. Um, so you're obviously you're based in Sydney, but you're down in Melbourne, you know, quite a lot recently. Yep. What's um what what's been happening that's been that's brought you down here? Uh I've been looking at a lot of uh like music down here for a long time and always liked it and I've got a lot of friends down here. Okay. And um, then last year I got asked to do a tour with Killing Heidi who are based in uh, Melbourne. Okay. And so we've been down here with them rehearsing and some gigs and stuff. Yeah. With them and then just through that also uh, finding a lot of musicians down here that I have a lot in common with mm -hmm. and enjoy making music with. Okay. So uh, whenever I'm down here with, with them or with another uh, another band who are doing a show in Melbourne, I might stay a bit longer and hang out, hang out and do some other stuff and cool. Try and create some art. <laughs> try and create some art. Yeah, that's always a good, good goal. Um, and last night you said you were doing the uncomfortable science. Yeah, we did that at Boney, um, yeah. which was very fun. Uh, we just done a day in the studio improvising, so like I said, yeah. we were like a bit pooped by the end of it. But <laughs> so maybe for people who don't know what uncomfortable science is, how would you sum it up? Uh, it's like a semi-improvised night of music where there's a conductor who, okay. who leads the band with a whiteboard with, say, chord changes or... Um, like on, on the fly? Yeah, on the fly as we go. So they might write out a couple of chords and then... Okay. Um, it's Lachlan Mitchell who, who runs it. Um, okay. And uh, he would normally write some chords out and then we follow them and after a while... Something else happens. So he has another idea and then... Okay. And then we. And does he play as well, or? He's a musician, but he doesn't play on the night. Okay. Um, he's a very talented musician, so he's got like a lot his head in it. What is it? He wasn't leading it last night, but uh, he normally does. And yeah, it's a very great night of music. Yeah. It's very random, you know, like a, who knows who's going to be there and yeah. what the chords are going to be. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was very fun, and so it was great to tie <laughs> that tie that in with um, the gig in with the day in the studio, and so. Yeah. Sort of makes it worthwhile coming down and sort of loading as much as I can. Yeah, and what, what was your studio session? Uh, just recording uh, with James Bowers and Michael Wallace, just um, just improvising. We just yeah. went in and mapped out some tempos and sort of improvised some grooves to that stuff. So did stuff you just kind of, you know, get the call, hey, can you come down and... No, I'd been talking with James. Um, we've done a few gigs and we're both on the similar page. Mm musically and we'd sort of thrown around a few ideas about maybe getting together and just improvising in the studio yeah and um the best way to do it we didn't really know so i just said let's just book a day yeah just commit yeah i'll, I'll like i can come down you know feel free we can get a studio or we can do a gig at night yeah. yeah um that's the good thing about the uncomfortable science gig is that it's a gig on tuesday that it's only booked a month in advance or something so i can call up lucky and say hey i'm going to be in town can I like you know to tee it all up you know yeah um which is good it's yep. just sort of a nice little avenue to do a bit of extra playing so have you done much in the way of that kind of like you were describing it early on as a little bit like the kind of beat music vibe yeah I haven't done it like a lot but I've always been into it and a lot of the gigs that I've done have always had like a little 
improvised element to them. Mm-hmm. Like the sort of the, the working gigs in Sydney might be like, I don't know, say you're playing like a disco set or something. Yeah. And then it's that there might be a moment where the band stretches out okay. for a bit. Yeah. You know? um, and so there's always been a bit of that in what I've been playing. So right. I suppose just feeling like there was a, an avenue and some people to do it with. I mean, I've got a band in Sydney that I've just started. It's a similar thing, but like guitar driven instead of Keys. keyboard driven. You yeah. know? So it's a bit more rocky and it gets a bit more yeah. um, dirgier or something when we get heavy. What's that um, band called? It's called Dingbats. That's right. the um, that's who we're doing the Noah support with in a, ah. in a few weeks. So Wow. Um, yeah, so that's, you know, like I've sort of just started to get more into that stuff. Do, doing that improvised sort of stuff. Yeah, because it, it's, it's kind of a different... It's, it's a definitely a different approach than, you know, um, the classic jazz improvisation thing. And well, in terms of if you're thinking of playing over changes and stuff like that, it's not so much that it's more maybe interactive. Yeah, I've never done any of that like jazz mm. stuff before. So I'm okay. not a trained jazz musician. Okay. Um, so I've never, I've always like enjoyed listening to it and then never really been able to like contribute sure. to the conversation yeah in that way yeah but like playing like grooves and making them up and stuff is something that i, sure. I can do and i like doing that so yeah it's like it's like my jazz you know, yeah yeah you know like which is still it's still improvising but exactly it's just and, valid. yeah it's just another another way of doing it i suppose um and so i suppose just finding that finding that voice that you're comfortable with like when you're improvising as well you know like mm-hmm. not coming from a jazz mm-hmm. world i've never really done heaps of improvising and just yeah. purely on on the focused on just improvising so yeah just finding it a voice for it and and some people that want to make it with you i suppose it's like cool great let's this is a vibe let's do it so how would you how would you think or do you practice it i mean like would you sit at home with you just kind of set up and no i might practice making sounds so you know what colors you can yeah just so i'm aware of what comes out but then also like i think the more you improvise with people like you rehearse the improvisation you get better at improvising and you get better at playing together yeah you know it's like it's like starting a relationship or something you know it's like you work out you know who goes to sleep at what time yeah (laughs) who who likes to wake up at a certain time who likes their coffee and you know whatever you know like you sort of um plan work all that out and then okay the more you do it the better you are i think there's all those bands that from america that we those improvising bands that you know like you beat music or you wayne crowns or something there's like a lot of history of them improvising together yeah so when we hear it it's like play a lot there's a lot of that that we hear we hear that Sometimes, but sometimes that's hard to do in terms of playing, uh, you know, playing original music and stuff like that. It's hard to get three or four musicians and go, let's play lots, you know? Yeah, it's, that's really hard. And that's like, I think that's, that's why it's, at the moment I've been doing a fair bit of it because I've been like championing it a bit. I've been like, let's go. Yeah. You know, and, I've been, and then like some other guys have been also on that same trip. So it's like that makes a it bit easier. easier to, yeah. when you're like just a guy calling up a couple of other people and say, hey, uh, you want to just get together and jam and then you do it once and then unless you like try and unless there's a few people with like stoking the fire it's gonna be pretty hard to yeah maintain that i think definitely um and everyone's got to be on the same page i think so um and so finding people that are 
on the same page is half the challenge. I yeah, think. It's, that's number one. And they're getting them in the room is the, yeah. the next half of it. <laughs> um, and is there any kind of, uh, I guess, maybe bass players that you're looking at to draw some inspiration from in that realm? Yeah, I don't. I don't think I listen to bass players as much mm -hmm. as I listen to other instruments. Um, I find like, like listening to bass players, I end up just sounding like the bass player that I'm listening to. Okay. And I feel like listening to like, like I know how to sort of, I don't I know, I just don't get the vibe from that. I think like other instruments, it's like hearing their, their what they add harmonically or their mm -hmm. textures is what sort of more, excites me. And then I... And then I know that I can, if I contribute on the bass, then that other stuff can happen. Okay. Sort of think of it. So like it's like a real team player perspective. Yeah, I suppose like, um, I think that's what happens when you're a bass player. Yeah. You sort of have an overarching view of the, what the band sounds like. And you should do, hopefully. Yeah, yeah not everyone does, but. Um, yeah. And I think um, I like to produce a bit of music and so I hear the whole picture. Mm -hmm a bit so I know and you see it getting all made put together as well yeah so I sort of get it I feel like I have an understanding of maybe what needs to happen so when mm. I'm listening to stuff it's like I'm hearing all the textures and flavours yeah and then you can like dissect it in your head yeah and then, then I know like I can if I stay down here then there's all this space for I'm sure. not sure if that yeah I'd, so you're, yeah you're, you're more more from a uh, improvised composition perspective you're yeah I mean there's other like bass players that have definitely influenced me like mm. along the way yeah um, but not so much in this not in that improvised thing yeah yeah um, yeah not like I've like I haven't like listened to them as improvisers mm. I suppose I've heard them as and how, how much do you think like uh, technique Cause, I mean in my my head and my teaching I'm like technique is the the key and the tool to enabling you to express whatever it is that you want to express yeah um so do you do you find that you've got your technique is at a level where you're unhindered or are you still kind of like oh it'd be nice if I could do it? oh no it's still like always I'm like yeah. going for something and I miss it or okay you know it means you're on the edge. That's yeah, it's dead. Like, you know, like last night I thought I was going to hit an F and I just hit nothing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it was pretty, we were getting pretty furious at that stage and there was a lot of like shit going on. But yeah. And you've been playing for like seven hours. Or yeah, I've been at it for a long time, so <laughs> I was pretty tired. But yeah, I think that you're always, you're never fully, um, what's the word? Like you never... Match fit. Yeah, you never completely match fit because... There's only so much. I mean, you can. The more you do it, the better you get at it, and the, yeah. you know. But I think, like, well, like as much as I practice, I can never like. I just feel like things get easier, but they're still hard. There's just I just don't notice that the other things were hard because mm. they were easier. But then the next thing is, or because you you have proficiency, then you go for something else, and then that's that's the hard bit. Sure, it's always just um, always shifting. Yeah, it's always shifting. Um, I think like the more you know the instrument, the better. That is, I mean, you can see from this. When I got this instrument, there wasn't a mark on it. What? It was, it was, <laughs> it was, um, <laughs> it was in showroom condition. Did I've you drag really it behind your car? Fucked or? it up. Um, no, I've just played it a lot. I mean, even these cigarette burns. 
uh, from when I used to smoke, you know, and you could smoke inside. Because that, that's quite a kind of like vintage bass kind of look. Well, they, people pay for this shit to pee on their bass. <laughs> this you just know? give it this, to you for yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, just give it to me for a couple of years and this will <laughs> happen to it. Um, no, so I've like learnt all... You like, know that. No, no, the instrument inside out. I know where strengths. notes are and where the strengths are and, and what, Yeah. you know, what like, you know, what this sounds different to, you know, or... Yeah. So I've got like all these different tonal options, options, yeah. Um, which I think is great to like. So the more f- technically proficient you are, then the more you've got more options and to create like a different different sounds from the instrument. Yeah. Um, which I think as as a bass player is important, like um, to be able to get different. Like I never was really into like playing like patterns mm-hmm. too much, like across ways I've always sort of tried to sort of go diagonally like from there to here you mm-hmm. know as opposed to I don't know from there to there to here mm-hmm. or from here to here to like efficient kind of or yeah less efficient less efficient yeah um, because I like the sound of the as opposed to the okay so I've always sort of sort of as opposed to yeah like, yep. like that sort of vibe so I think like but I can, can do that but I've found that I've worked on doing that to okay because the sonic is quality I think is more even and bigger so and um, bigger is better yeah bigger is better because <laughs> yeah I don't want to have play any thin bigger better thin more. bass parts you know want them to all be it's not, yeah I mean it's not you're not usually going to be in a situation where you're going to ask to have a thin sound no a lot of people tell me to turn down but <laughs> but not um no not thin but yeah i think having that the the more proficient you are the more you can speak like the more like you know i'm not very good with like i didn't do very well at english in high school you know i'm not not good at like explaining my words in conversation very well but like it's the same that's on on the if you've got a certain word for something you can be a lot more direct yeah um so it's the same thing i think on the yeah. The bass, the more you uh, across the language of the instrument itself, mm-hmm. then the more you can say, if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, sometimes you just want to have a dumb conversation over a few beers, you know, that's, that's you just totally cool. Get that pick out and just yeah. open air. Yeah, <laughs> great. That's a good vibe. Absolutely. Um, so the, the, the Killing Heidi um, thing, how did that come around and stuff? Uh, that came about through my good friend James Gilligan, okay. who's another Melbourne bass player. Uh, and he wasn't able to do a run of the shirts. Right. And he said, hey, I think you'd be a great fit for the band. Do you want to do it? Yeah. I said, yeah. Cool. I hadn't really, th- like, thought about... I didn't really think about what, like... What that meant. Yeah, I just I just was like, yeah, great. Like, yeah. I knew, uh, like, Ella from doing shows years ago down here. Okay. And it's like, great, you know, like, there's nice people. James is like, all, all the band's great, they're all cool. Yeah. It's like, great. I'm in, you yeah. know? And that was that? Same in the songs. Is that still a, still a thing? Yeah, they're not um, They're not doing much yeah. um, at the moment, but I think there'll be some but couple if, of shows later you do, in the year. But you, you, you get a call. Yeah, um, which is great, because cool. it's a great bunch of people and great songs, and the people that come to the gigs really like, like the shows. So That's always, that's that's always a, nice, a plus. Nice um, result, like that's all the things. Yeah. In one 
one go. So there's no like there's no audition process. It was just like James works for you and you turn yeah. up. Yeah, and I think like in a band like that, you know, they're a band, mm. and so there's like a lot of personality involved. Yeah, you're not really just coming in and doing a show. You know, there's like there's a lot of time, hang time, that you know. Yeah. They don't, don't just want the guy to come in and just do the job. Yeah. Um, fit yeah, it could be some. Ways. It could be like a day of travel. It could be, you know, early flight and then st- just sitting around yeah. for half a day or yeah, you know. So one day, you know, I think like one day was we got to uh, Gold Coast or something, and like the morning was like like undie shopping with the girls and then like drinking beers and watching the cricket yeah. in the lobby bar at the end of the you know like it's like that's, that's you know cool. some some people aren't into that. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's like a certain personality that I think in any band, it's not just that band. I think sure. a lot of um, I always sort of say like ninety ninety percent personality, ten percent musicality for for, for that. Yeah, you know, for a touring band, I think is a, yeah. Seems it seems that way. Um. So who who maybe were some of your the the bass players who who did kind of inform your your style and your playing growing up? Um. Early on, it was like a Rage Against the Machine, that first record, you know, I yeah. remember when that came out and um, when like Killing of the Name was on the radio, you know, it was like, whoa, yeah. that's huge. And as a, even when I was younger, I was like, wake up before like my parents didn't silently pull the button out on the TV, trying to do it as quietly as possible to, to watch Rage, you know, at five in the morning and watch all these music videos. And then when that came out, it was like, I just remember like, just the power of it, you know, and hearing it was on commercial radio, so it was the, the shortened version, the single version. It yeah, wasn't yeah. It didn't have the, the fuck you ending, you know. Yeah. And even then, I hadn't heard that, and it was like, whoa, it was like... Oh, it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. It was great. And were you playing bass at the time? I wasn't playing bass at that time. Okay. Um, and then, but only like a, f- only like maybe four or five years later, I just kind of picked up a bass. Okay. And, you know, that, that album was still very current. Yeah. Um, and then at the same time, I sort of started listening to um, had some friends that were really into Living Color mm. and all that Doug Wimbish stuff. And I started checking out him, and then his like all that Sugar Hill stuff that he played on, which I didn't know at the time, but he was like just r- ripping all these yeah. disco bass lines, you know. Yeah. So I would listen to all this stuff and just go, "Wow, it's cool." And then like, you know, the Doug Wimbish thing of like, you know, a million effects pedals and. That sort of tweaked me to all these other sounds that were possible. Yeah, just like, you know, I didn't really know that they were the bass. Well, especially in in like a a hard rock band to have like bass whammy action. Yeah. You know, it's still still not the norm. No, and and probably never will be. (laughs) Worked for him. I don't think it's worked for anyone else, but, you know, he's just committed to it and that's great. Um, yeah, Yeah, that sort of stuff. It's like... I sort of like idolized that for a bit. So it was like him and that Rage Against the Machine thing, which was, hmm. and then. It's such a great sound album, that first Rage Against the Machine it's album. It's huge. It's, and yeah. seeing them live, it's like, wow, there's so much yeah. sound that comes from just these, three, it's three guys really, you know? Yeah. And it's just the, the, the width of the bass sound, you know, it's like just mm-hmm. got all this presence and. Did you go, did you kind of geek out on, on his setup and stuff a bit? Because um, there's all these myths online, like the yeah, like, change of winding on his pickups and yeah, I've like, I just think it's all in his fingers. Yeah, you know, I can hear that there's probably like a few things that he does that I don't think it's like 
revolutionary. I mean, it just sounds like a big bass sound. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's... There's some tricks, I'm sure, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a lot of stuff that's all covered up. and But, you know, it's just him playing a jazz bass a lot of the time and it's through an ampeg and it's huge. and It's, it's a classic combo for, yeah. for a reason. Um, it's not like a... I don't think it's like totally unique no the sound but yeah it's secrets and i've sort of i think i maybe googled it once and yeah and <laughs> thought, oh, oh, this is a bit of a rabbit hole yeah yeah exactly <laughs> especially because there's nothing else to you can't really find out yeah. what it is easily sure one day it'll come out and it'll be like oh great this is the sands amp you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the banjo yeah. version of the sands amp yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> was like, oh. Oh. oh great um so that you're so you're like what 14 15 yep yeah I had like some mates who I'd been to primary school with who were all starting to get into music and um, you know that classic thing there was like lots of guitarists at, at school and it wasn't really, you know nobody wanted to play bass yeah I think also like certain personalities gravitate towards the bass um, it's not really it's a pretty sort of thankless <laughs> job at times you know yeah like not you know everyone, I know everyone appreciates it but it's like it's not you're not out in the like it's not you're not a front guy you're not doing it for the glory no you don't do it for the glory you do it for the music that you want to make yeah um yeah i think that's i think that's sort of why i've like sort of gravitated towards it so you so you just came doing the high school rock band thing yeah high school um red hot chili peppers and yep yep but you sex magic yeah and um playing in like we didn't have a, like a big music program at our school so there's like a stage band you know where you played your yeah watermelon man and you uh -huh. and, and so you did you did, some did of that. that and then there was also a concert band which is like even like cheesier arrangements but i was reading like the tuba part you know okay um because there wasn't a tuba player of course not yeah um so you so you can read or oh not not really i can i can i can't read like if you just put a chart in front of me i couldn't read the dots okay but I can, oh, I can sort of, I can't just read it on the, I can't sight yeah, read it, but, you, you, yeah. but I can sort of, I know what's going on and, and when I'm doing stuff <clears> for <throat> sessions or whatever and I, I write out what I can follow mm -hmm. and it might be a bass part and if I've, if I've played it and I've written it out, then that's it. That's cool. I can remember that, but it's more, but I can't really play to something put in front of me. I've been working on that slowly, mm -hmm. just. But I'm guessing you don't really come across that too much in your. No, it's more know. like when I'm like, learning exercises like mm. I mean I like there, there is a lot of material you know teaching material out there that is in standard notation I yep. guess you know there's that famous uh, Joe Hubbard baselines book with like the bunch of transcriptions and there's like some level 42 stuff and right. some Jacko stuff right. and that's not there's no tab it's just standard notation yeah um, and even I find it's good to delve into like some cello stuff or some classical music well I do I, that's what I sort of if I do practice it's etudes Right. stuff yeah and I've got them written out and so mm. that's what I've been like practicing my reading on it's, it's good just yeah. like doing that. there's something about that discipline of of essentially playing you're playing a melody from start to finish kind of thing or you know, yep. something resembling more melodic than you might normally do in your groove based, based yeah playing. and definitely if it's a cello um, piece um, you're not you're not normally playing those patterns no which I think is great yeah. Because, because you sort of like open up the facility more for stuff that, um, going back to what we were talking about before, like if you've done, if you're more fluent on stuff that you're not normally playing, and when you're playing like a, 
like that you know that, you know she's rocking out there but then you've got like you've got you got you've got some sort of more facility because you've mm. you've um, played those different you play those different combinations and you're out you're breaking it those molds a bit which is why i like them yeah um and it's like and it's sort of pleasing to the ear to play you know i think as so. opposed to like those, a scale those, or a, those um those classical people will know what they're doing a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like when you get to the end and it resolves, and it's like, oh, that's... You're like, oh, you're like, how do we nice. get... How do you, it's a why are we here? Oh, now it's I get it. like a nice thing you can play by yourself. It's like... Yeah, and I guess that's the other thing, is bass is generally something that sounds better in the context of yeah, other four musicians. Other, for other people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what what happens after, after high school? Um, then I met... During high school, I met... Um, uh, Jackie Osowski, who was a Sydney bass player, or Hungarian bass player, mm. who lived in Sydney, and he sort of taught like most of Sydney about soul music. You know, he was he had like he was like a real institution. He had mm. um, like a couple of regular gigs a week. Um, he had this regular Tuesday in Sydney that was like packed, and like all the musicians came down. It's like yeah. we all used to hang out every Tuesday, get really pissed, and and watch Jack and his band and. Um, and that was my first, like, cause I didn't really, I didn't come from a musical family. Mm-hmm. I realized that you could actually, there was this thing of being a musician, like it was a yeah. concept, like yeah. I never even thought about this. Um, and so I met Jack and, and his bass player, he played piccolo bass, his, his bass player, Dave Symes, okay. a very good friend of mine. Um, they were all super supportive, you know, like, come to the gigs, you know, sit in. And just sort of from there, like Jack and I suppose Dave as well, like like became sort of mentors. Yeah. And just like you know, just show me the way. And Jack would always be like, he'd be having coffee in Eskimville, like the next suburb from where I lived, mm-hmm. and um, just go and hang out with him and have chats and soak it all up. Yeah, soak it all up. Go around and have like little jams with him and yeah. his house and um, and then through that met like a bunch of musicians and mm. started a few little bands and um started playing little gigs you know mm. like I had like a um, like a sort of soul soulish sort of band and I had a dub band with some other guys and um, just sort of started doing that mm-hmm. around town and then it. yeah then I suppose just that was a couple of years and just did did that and you cut your teeth and you mm. work out what kind of person you're gonna be as you grow up and you yeah all that stuff so maybe talk a little bit more about the about the Jackie thing because he seems to be a, a unique figure in in Australian Australian music. I've only kind of come across him a few times, but um, he seems to be definitely held in high high regard and, and sadly missed. Yeah, yeah, definitely sadly missed. Um, I suppose he he played with a lot of people. He's a very good bass player. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was Marsha Hines' MD for a couple of years back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote strings for people. Okay. Um, he wrote his own music. Um, yeah, and he had, like, he was that, from that generation of, like, they'd do, like, you know, a whole bunch of gigs every week, you know, like, yeah. just around Sydney. And, um, yeah, he would. He was a band leader and very, and very good arranger and mm. and just, like, had that thing of, like, being super supportive and would give everyone a go but wasn't afraid to like like shoot someone down if they weren't doing the right thing you okay. know he had this like sixth sense 
Till I like if you were, yeah, or if you were comfortable, like if you were like, like doing his gigs, like later in his life, like I think 2008 or 2007, I started doing some shows with him. And so you were like his bass player and he's playing piccolo? Yeah. Um, and he like, he didn't like to rehearse, you know, like he had, he'd been doing it for so long and, and they had such, so many songs. Like if you went around and rehearsed the songs you, you, for the set. Yeah. You wouldn't play any of those songs on the gig, <laughs> <laughs> which is great because it's a it's a real baptism by fire. You know, you like you just like whoa. You know, you're in the deep end and you have to use your ears and yeah. And he wasn't, you know, he wouldn't play. If he was playing like here, you'd look try and follow him. He might be playing second inversion, so he this might be his E chord. Uh, yeah. You know, so you'd have to like more use your ears and f- follow. Jeez. His hands. Yeah. Um. Which is great, which is really a great way to learn music. Um, if if they're if they're accepting that it's not going to be perfect, well, I suppose if you, the he would make it obvious, and you just had to use it. Well, not obvious, but he would lead enough that you would be able to follow him if you were, using if you were your tuned ears. in. You could figure it out. Yeah, okay. and so you have, would have this. Like, if someone was like soloing for too long, he'd be like, "Hey, shut up!" Like, clearly the band's. Done. Done. You know, and you're still going. Or yeah. um, you, you had the sixth sense of like when you would play and you'd, you'd be like, because there were so many songs, there was like 300 songs in the repertoire or something, and they were all pretty obscure um, songs. Yeah. Um, like make, he'd rearrange. Mixture of his and originals. His or? Uh, originals, his rearrangements of like some pop songs, mm. um, some like meter songs, some Dr. John songs. Um, and you'd be you'd be playing along, and you think, oh, fuck, the bridge is coming up in four in four bars, and you think, okay, cool, the bridge is coming up, and like two bars later, he's called the bridge, you know, like just because he sort of like know that you're comfortable, and he's like seeing you like, and then, then you'd be like, man, you missed the bridge, you know, pay attention, so, yeah, um, but all that stuff is great because it really keeps you on your toes, and um, I think doing doing those gigs with him and um, just really like kick my ass you know a lot um it would be like oh if you were playing like a groove at this like if the drummer was playing like slightly the wrong kick pattern mm. he'd just keep telling them the kick pattern while they were playing until they really? got it and the same with the bass you know it might be like you might be missing one little wow skip or something and and then when you play it then it's like wow once you've got it it's, it's really happening you know yeah. and then it's like his, his sense of groove and, and mm. that sort of stuff and not being afraid to Fix things. Fix things while it's happening. While so, it's happening yeah. yeah. Um, it was really great. And his vibe of like just, you know, like a, a good song is a good song was his vibe. You know, it doesn't, doesn't matter how you play it. It's really, I think, a really cool approach. So it's like if a str- song is strong and, it's, you know, yeah. you can do a, some other version of it and the song will still have the same. If you sing it with the same yeah. Did performance. He sing? Yeah, he sung as well. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, so that's like that's not really doing him as much justice as I probably could actually. Like, I feel like you could do a whole look him up, look him up. Jackie Ozarski, O R S Z A C Z K Y. He really, yeah, he left a last, lasting legacy on mm. Australian music and, in general. And obviously, and obviously yourself. Yeah, me and um, like so many musicians in in Sydney who got to, mm. um, and probably Melbourne, you know. Um, yeah who got to play with him and play with him a lot more than I did. Mm. You know, I was like just right at the end. Um, 
that's why I don't feel like the best um, person to really t- talk about like sure. everything you know yeah, about yeah. his whole story because there's um, some great other older musicians and yeah. and who who just spent a lot more time with him. But, but uh, those situations, I think, are getting rarer in yep. today's climate, music climate. Definitely. You know, like to be able to be a young musician and be mentored by you know the, the older guys in a live scenario regularly yeah that doesn't that doesn't really happen no um unfortunately it's i suppose it's the this is also like i suppose jack doing what he did in sydney as well is quite unique like mm. like otherwise there'd be guys like touring and you wouldn't get to go and sort of sit in or, mm-hmm. if they were if it was a touring band yeah you, know, you wouldn't get to go and see them regularly like every week or yeah um yeah and that yeah that older thing i mean i think about all those guys that have just played with like who were still doing the sessions today you know like who were doing the sessions in the 60s you know yeah and to think like they've they've seen it all come through and they've had like so much history and so much experience and then we've come in at the yeah at the end and so yeah i think well not the end but you know later on we we, you know our generation and uh, you know surrounding generations like you really have to make your own your own scenes, I think. Yeah. And find, like you were saying, like find like-minded people and just and grow with them. Yep. If you wanna, if you wanna be out there and playing regularly. Yeah, definitely. And I think being, I mean, but being like f- flexible, like if you're just in that one thing, then you're not gonna grow mm. entirely. You know, you might yeah. just grow with that one thing that you're doing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, having someone like <clears throat> tell you what to do in a certain, it's like any form of learning I think like you know mm-hmm. learning certain one thing that you can apply to, to lots things. of other things lots yeah. of other genres or other skills yeah um, I think and I just heard as well the other day that the basement's closing down in Sydney yes yes I don't know if it's if it's closing down or past they've, they've the current owners are leave, leaving I don't know much about that okay yeah whole story but it's a if, if it does though, that's a bit of a blow I think Oh yeah, I mean Sydney's really going through some shit at the moment. Yeah, um, is that maybe part of your? Oh, definitely. There's a, there's a lot of, yeah, there's, there's so much <coughs> happening. I think the more it's supported down here, the more it grows, and that's so mm. obvious. Um, that's why it's so great. You know? mm. And the people come out and watch gigs, and and musicians come out and watch gigs, and yeah, um, and it's very. It seems like the scene is very supportive, and um, there's lots of different things happening, so people get exposed to yeah different shit which I think is good I think it's really like really healthy when you go and even when you do like some gig like like it's like the Northcote Social Club down here or also Arts Factory in Mm -hmm. Sydney it's like just going and like being at the sound check and seeing how another guy does his thing yeah I think is like really healthy you know even if you don't watch the gig and just see how certain things happen or see or like see um see like what the I like to see what the sound guy is doing to the the stuff that's coming off stage you know like all that, that stuff because then that informs what you do yeah like we are talking about before like some of these like octave pedals that I've got um, I don't run them too hard because I know that if I run them too hard then the compressor will just kick in harder and at the desk mm-hmm. at front of house and then you won't you won't really hear the effect that I was yeah trying to it won't give you the energy you're looking for? No, it'll actually make it quieter. Mm. Actually turn down the bass 
instead of making it louder. So stuff like that, you know, I think it's like, all that stuff is like really healthy to be exposed to that. Yeah. When you're trying to make music. Yeah, um, you've got to realize that, that you're, you're just one point in the chain. Yeah, and just like seeing how other people <clears throat> do it and seeing um, whether it's at a small gig or a big gig or, yeah. I think the more you can see people playing their own shit, yeah. the better, as opposed to watching a, like a cover band or something that you're not really going to get yeah. as much from that. But seeing some guy like, I don't know, I feel like that comes from just trying to, yeah, and just trying to see the best in, trying to, yeah. in every like situation being, you being might open. be in, you know, like it might be that the sound shit, but the, the drummer's great mm-hmm. or drummer shit, but the sound's great, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter the drummer shit because the vibe is really good. Or, you know, like I think like looking for, <clears throat> looking at the big picture, looking, yeah, look, trying to look at it from a bigger standpoint mm. is why, why I think that the Melbourne scene is healthier okay because you can see so much right. stuff happening yeah and then that encourages people and people get better and yeah. yeah take more risks and make more music make more music you know mm. so maybe let's talk a little bit about the, the pedal situation yeah <laughs> <laughs> what, what what was your first pedal uh, can you remember yeah i do it was a boss flanger flanger because i was listening to tool Okay. Um, yep. And and I, I don't use it anymore. I've still got it. <laughs> yeah. You know? And every now and then I think it would be a good idea to plug it in and then it then gets don't. quickly turned off. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really horrible sound, I think, on the bass. It's quite metallic. Um, yeah, it's very... Yeah, it's just not... It's not really my thing. I've, I, think, I think phaser can be quite pleasant. Phaser's good. Chorus is good. Um... Yeah, I, though, but I think the flange is maybe pushing it um, for, <laughs> for the bass. Um, and then I think it was, I think it was, I think it was this octave pedal. This is the old EBS one. Yeah. And um, that was my first pedal. And it's great. I love it because it sounds like more bass. It doesn't sound like a synth, yep. like the OC2, which I have as well. It just sounds like thick, thicker. Yeah. Which is great for like more kind of analogy. Yeah, more real, less like a synth, mm-hmm. um, which is cool for like playing, I suppose playing rocker, rockier stuff where you don't want it to be sound synthy, you just want it to sound bigger. Okay. Like, I suppose that thing I was saying about like my diagonal approach, it's the same thing with like with the octave pedal, like playing high, but What's playing, the sickness on? you know, so it's still, still like big when you're playing high. Yeah. As opposed to it being like a synth yep. synth sound Do you, have, you, have you done the OC2 synth thing as well? Or? yeah uh, like last night and yesterday <coughs> I had them both running okay yeah um, and I like the OC2 is good because you can do that you know the octave on thing the but just the, the just using it just like a normal octave pedal like how that one's set it's just got a different vibe yeah. different flavour yeah totally which is cool for if you're doing synthier sounds yeah um, but still want to play the electric bass thing uh, and then from there it's just um, exponentially spiraled spiraled it's a doom <laughs> is this like a small selection of what you have oh a whole more yeah it's probably about maybe a third or something look there's not heaps you know there's the yeah it just depends on the gig I think yeah um, yeah if I'm trying to emulate 
synth stuff, then there's some different things. Different chains and stuff. Yeah, just like a, the micro synth, the electroharmonics okay, is in yeah. there. And a compressor, which is sort of, I don't really use a compressor live, but I use that to sort of bring out the sound a bit more, just to give me a bit more mm -hmm. um, evenness, because you know, on a synth, you've, you've, if it's a mono synth, you've only really got one dynamic. Yeah. So I'm trying to even that out. I already do that in my fingers, but trying to even it out. Okay. A bit more to. Yeah. And then like the volume pedals like always in there so that I can get those sort of stay, swell, yeah, stay out of the way of the kick drum a bit like if I'm doing. So that's not my sort of simple chorus sound. So I might be like. So you're like emulating uh, like ducking side chaining? Yeah, just a little bit of side chaining. Cool. Just sort of like, sort of feels like I can pump, it, pump it a bit, you know? <clears throat> um, yeah, I've just sort of come to those things by just playing around with different stuff. and Yeah. Um, and how do you, like, I've, I've always found like, um, time domain stuff like reverbs and delays and and even like chorus to an extent is hard to to blend in right and and but also make it work in a live situation like here in this environment you can get it's like sounds yeah real but when you get on stage bass doesn't really lend itself no too well to that kind of stuff so what's your approach for well not to use them basically <laughs> <laughs> it's like but they're there that, like they're, yeah they're there um this, this board, the way it's set up, and in Killing Heidi, I play a bit of lap steel on two songs as well. So this does like okay. both. So um, I think like analog delays are great for bass mm -hmm. because they get out of the way. Like when they, the tails are like. Filtery. Yeah, and they, there's no bass in them. Yeah. So you can sort of like get. So that's like the tails are like out of the way. So yep. if you want to do something um, like that, that's mm -hmm. I think that's a cool thing. Having some tap, you know. Do you have like a high pass filter on that, or it's just the way? No, it's it just the way analog delay sounds. Okay. Um, and it's like I think it doesn't have much delay time in it. This this, this one, so it's like degrades pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the other way I've done it sometimes is with a, like a loop pedal, like a you know like a effects loop yep. style pedal and use the volume and the delay like on 100% wet and then just sent like sent a signal to the delay okay so I'm not, obviously I can't do that now but it would be like so I'm playing like that also the bass so the bass sounds coming through and then you can and send just send that one note to the delay to the delay and then and then that's coming back right. in and then turn it back off and so Still it's just like a little bit of extra texture Okay, cool. You can get a bit um, more expressive with it. Yeah, like if you listen to that um, that um, that remix of "I Want Your Love," that Chic song. Yeah. There's a remix by Todd um, Todd. How does it say his name? Tiji or. Um, it's a great song. Yeah, the remix is incredible, and there's one there's one section where he's dubbing out the the bass. Okay. The bass thing, and I've sort of like heard that, and I've gone, "How would I? How can I do that live? I've played "I Want Your Love" live, you know, but yeah. before like I've got a band in Sydney that play like a lot of that chic disco stuff yeah and how do i do that then it's like okay i've got these pedals plug them in to get that sound yeah i've sort of like approached 
rather than having lots of pedals together, I've put them together and gone, how do I want, how do I try and get this sound that I'm emulating? Yeah. Um, so it's like the same with the synth thing, it's like maybe I'll put a Moog low pass at the end. Okay. And then, then the synth gets really all the, um, with the low pass filter, all the high end information Literally. disappears and you just get this thick modulated mm. sound. Um, which is cool. Yeah. Which is and then sort of sounds more like, more like with, a synth. More like a synth. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can get you can get a bit more dynamic with the. I'm not a synth bass player. Like I play synth bass, but I'm not like. Yeah. One of those guys for. Yeah, I'm not one of those gospel guys that only play synth yeah. bass. You know. <laughs> um, so this is this is like your insurance policy that you get called for gigs that would otherwise maybe go to a synth bass player oh well there's, I don't think there's many gigs that go to, there isn't many synth bass gigs um, around I mean there's not really many bass gigs around for <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know like I don't think you it's normally the keyboard player's going to be playing synth bass because they're not touring a bass player yeah yeah and then maybe you might need to play some synth bass on a couple of songs which is cool and then maybe there's the songs where you don't quite yeah. probably better to play Something electric bass or but synthy or you know like this there's like a fine line in some of that so this uh, sort of gets me out of those no um well in this setup at least no distortion or fuzz or anything uh you, no do you use do you use a little bit of that to get some synth stuff like <clears throat> yeah i'll use um like sawtooth action yeah i'll use a bit of that and then um the micro synth has a square wave distortion oh, yeah, that that's right yeah i use um and then filter that out. And then I have one of those um, cattle and bread SFT pedals that is normally always on. Okay. What is um, that one? Is that a... That's like emulating a SVT. It's oh. like a Sanzan. Um, okay. But it's got some... You can drive it pretty hard. Right. And get some pretty cool, dirty sounds out of it. Yeah. So often that's that's on. That's either... That's often loose because I might just put it here like pretending to be a Sanzan, yeah. like on the amp. Or I might use it as an effect on the... Okay. on the board if, if there's a yeah. ampeg there then I don't really need to True. have an ampeg emulator yeah. going as well <laughs> um, yeah so it's all yeah it all depends like there's two um, distortion pedals in the in the case right okay that, that might get a run or might not depending on what's yeah cool what's happening. do you get um, I guess probably not quite so much but do you ever get funny looks from the guitar player kind of thing when you rock up with the yeah. pedal board and they're like You've got more pedals than me. Or the sound guy, you know? Yeah. It's like, mate, like the, um, the guitar amp's on the other side of the stage, you know? Yeah. And there's the guitar player with, a, like, a tube screamer, you yeah. know? <laughs> and <laughs> and they <laughs> put down all this shit and people are like, oh, what, what's going on? Not so much now, because I feel like it's become more common. It's become more common, yeah. But I've been doing it, like, carrying around the pedal boy for a while, and yeah. people would be like, what? <laughs> What's going on? And then, you know. And then you step on something halfway through the song and you turn around and give you the nod and it's like, see? Yeah, well, they say, no, don't fucking turn that off. <laughs> what are you doing? No, that doesn't, hasn't really happened. But yeah, like, there's definitely been like, are you going to, what's, why have you got all that stuff here? You know? <laughs> it's because I care. Yeah, totally. That's, and that's, that's what it is. And yeah. It's like, it's wanting to, like, give, like, that, the bridge. Yeah, I want to give the bridge the. Yeah. You know? Um, not with the delay pedal, but you know, I might want to, I might want to just do that, make that bigger, and it's like, yeah. cool. That's how I can do it. Yeah, it's, um, it's actually because you care about the sonics and and the song. You yeah. want to present it in the best way possible. Yeah, and I think that's like, 
that's why it's it's good to like know what the pedals do and how they mm. translate and like yeah like i said like translate out the front yeah. or in the studio like you know just to see how they are gonna like this meat box you know has so much bottom end information that you can't hear and the speakers can't hear yeah and you're like your bass amp can't hear yeah um but out the front they might have an extra octave on the pa or half octave yeah and that just is just going to be mess yeah so knowing that if you throw that in there and, and they're not ready for it it's going to be messy if yeah if it's too loud and you like i said you've got a compressor on the on the bass it's just going to turn the bass down mm. so it's that yeah knowing knowing what your what your stuff does to knowing what your stuff does to like you know and how it makes the 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 song better the performance better or worse hopefully hopefully yeah i mean hopefully it doesn't make it worse but um yeah knowing i suppose knowing your place when you're going to be how it's going to be in the mix as well yeah um yeah sometimes it can be it can be hard to to get it so it's there but not too much and yeah and just vice versa knowing what the sound guy's going to do to it you know know how he's going to approach it mm. um i suppose coming from um I haven't like ever really taught to make extra cash. I've always done like studio stuff or okay. live sound or something. So I've got like an understanding of what happens and what you need to, mm-hmm. what 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 the sound guy needs to get. So I'm always sort of thinking about yeah. that when I play. So it's like, will this sound add? Will it will it translate the right way? Yeah. When I when I use one of these sounds. If well, not, then it's probably not like that's why I don't have a lot of drive because I feel like if the bass is going to be super distorted, I mean super compressed and super yeah. back in the mix, and just be like low end information, all that stuff is useless. Yeah, it doesn't really get there. But if you've got like a good like definition and some 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 dirt is giving you a bit of an edge, yeah, and it's and it's and you're playing right and it's getting mixed right, then cool, and that's like. a yeah, that's the that's the right thing. Or using it like like in the classic in the guitar solo. Yeah, yeah. Or something is like, with the space for it. Yeah, there's a bit of space for it, and you need to bring up the. Mm. You know, I might use drive and like the octave. Yeah. You know, and just start playing up the, playing up the octave so that it's just a wider. Yeah. Sound. Yeah. And what about this uh, input machine that you use? This one. <laughs> this is. Um, this is a 1974 jazz bass. Yep. Um, pretty much stock. I've had it refretted twice. Really? Um, yeah, I think when I got it, it was on its way out, and then I've just had it refretted again. The old boned fingerboard making that an easy job. Well, this makes it more expensive for the, yeah. for me to pay the guy to do it. Um, <laughs> exactly. He did a very good job. Um, Frank Gravisa in Sydney he makes, very good, yeah. makes um, guitars as well. Um, they, what else is... Badass bridge. Classic. Um, these are Nordstrand hum cancelling. Uh, I've got the stock pickups and I swapped these out about five or six years ago. And it's great because you can just run front pickup. No hum. Which is sort of cool because I'm not really yeah. a, I'm not really a back pickup guy, but I definitely like the front pickup. Yeah, no hum. So, so they do exist. Yeah, and they sound pretty close. They do compress. They feel like a, I don't know, it's the modern thing. I'm not sure, but like just got a tiny bit of compression in them. Okay. But now that I've had them in for so long, I'm 
you're used to it. Don't notice. Yeah. But the hum cancelling thing is great. So you took the pit guard off? Yeah, I've got I've still got it as well. Um people a lot of people think it's a, a Jaco thing. It's actually because I play I move around the this part of the body a lot. Yeah. So as you can see from these wear marks. Yeah, yeah. And I find it a bit easier to play with it off. Okay. Um and I like if I'm playing like sort of any thumb stuff, yeah. which isn't that often, but I just like that extra space. Okay. Because my technique's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a bit it's a bit like it's probably a bit forceful. Um and so just that any extra space around under here is yeah and what's caused the the kind of bubbling oh that's it's the old finish it's the nitro the finish finish it just does um, that mixed with sweat and yes yeah, sweat and humidity and maybe some beer uh yeah probably a bit of beer though <laughs> i try not to get it on the base you know try to yeah, keep it in my mouth keep it, yeah. um <laughs> the oh uh, yeah it's sort of just it's funny i think it's sweat and if if i'm in a humid place or a, like a cold place i take this base out of the case like if it's been on a long flight yeah um all this is like opaque oh. it goes all opaque and it becomes really sticky and right and so it's like you can see it's got some like fur on it from a like a case that it's been in where right. that's happened overnight or something and um kind of loosens up yeah just sort of yeah and then it's really soft yeah once that happens and it's yeah it just gets all mm. it gets all shit was this the red on this section here was that's the from the sunburst you know so then when they spray it sunburst they go oh so you've got like a, a layer of red and then yeah you can see how on that there it's like it's quite um the shading isn't very good because yeah. there would have been a pit guard yeah, on there yeah. but there's pretty much no no red you yeah was but so they go i think they go yellow red black right and so the <laughs> red's the the red stuck around red red's the, the last one on there and uh, Larry Graham? Larry Graham. Signature? Yeah. I also say John Farnham. It looks very similar. Um, <laughs> but I'm not sure which is better. Um, I think Larry. <laughs> I think um, Yeah, that was like a couple of years ago. He was out here for Blues Fest. And, yeah. Um, a friend of mine was doing front of house at that gig at, at the basement. And uh, he was like, man, come down. Like, come down and say hi. And it's just like, I've like checked out so much. I reckon, yeah. Like, now, I suppose another... Maybe when I was 17, I heard that, um, was it, um, The Jam? No, no, it was like Sly and the Family Stone, that first record. Um, oh, I've forgotten it now. Oh, shit. Come back to me. Yep. Um, and heard that and was just like, wow, this is so cool. Yeah. It's all okay. Um, yeah, and just like all that, um, like thank you for letting me be myself again you know like just that that sounds like whoa just like all the all the parts of what was going on yeah. there you know yeah the, the tone the the groove all that stuff yeah um yeah and so i was like so i so really checked a lot of that sly stuff out mm -hmm. and then later the grand central station stuff okay yeah. which is like cool yeah it's not as cool as the sly stuff i think because yeah. there's no it's just him there's no sly stone so sure there's a lot of that music that came yeah. through that thing. The, the, all those guys working together. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, went to beat him. And I just thought, shit, I'm just going to... There was, like, talk of, like, you know, you can get up and sit in. And I thought, oh, I'll take him. Take a bass down. I thought, no, I'm going to get him to sign it, you know? Yeah. Because 
he's like one of the only guys like I reckon that you would yeah that I would like to yeah I'm not really a, I don't know I don't need to have my base signed by lots of people or anything you know it's not yeah. one of those things but he is quite influential and um yeah just went down and had a chat and mm-hmm. you know said you know can you sign this and he was like whoa it's seen some miles <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah then got him to sign it and then got up and had a little play with him which was really <laughs> terrifying or it wasn't it wasn't terrifying um it was yeah it was just like a bit of fun it was seemed pretty casual yep. you know because i think because we'd had a chat beforehand as well so he was cool he was like i knew he was cool and then yeah. a few other guys had got up and so i knew what had what, what was, was going on and yeah because when he played here he had he, i think he had two db410s for backline and then two Aguilar db410s facing him what did he have i think he had two with like the db750 two of those heads i think he had something different um yeah. but he had like eight tens aside eight tens aside. yeah it was monstrous and and what was interesting was that they had a um graphic eq on the on in the effects loop on the on the bass heads yeah i'm not sure if you saw that at the melbourne show but and they'd notched out like like the frequency that sort of tuned the rig to the frequency of the room so there wasn't any sort of notes Mm. that really boomed yeah 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 i noticed that even though it was a massive rig it was very clean yeah it was super clean i think that had a lot to do with it like pulling out just that one note that like just is too loud yeah yeah and they'd they'd just notch out that note and then so Mm. when he when he played it was like jesus so loud but it was (laughs) but it was tight yeah Um, yeah it was yeah so yeah it was cool it was you know just went up and did the thing and that's cool man you know not being a solo guy i just went up and did my some groovy yeah just sort of played along and and that was fine and and then that was it (laughs) <laughs> this is like got off stage it's like what the fuck just happened that was wild you know that's pretty cool man. Um, yeah that was very cool yeah um, but yeah I'm a big proponent of like I've got mates who like change instruments all the time and mm. I think it's really good to play the one instrument for a while mm. and you can really you really start to find like the notes that sing and the notes that don't and the sounds that come out of it yep um do you have do you have any other bases as well yeah i've got a bunch um p base p base so you know like a 60s reissue p base um Mm a 60s burns jazz bass from from england yeah uh which is super cool it's like got like strat style pickups and short scale yeah got a yamaha um like an sb2 like a 60s um super bass yeah, just like a bunch of little different things for different sessions and yeah, different flavors and sessions and stuff like. But this is generally number one. Yeah, this would be number one. Um, I just bought a '78 Music Man, which is um, becoming number one. For you spelling well. in the name of. Yeah, yeah that's man. actually that's the base and all the sh- all that um, Bernard Edwards sheet oh, yeah. stuff. That's all yeah. that stuff and um, even like with Killing Heidi playing, I think it's a better bass to play rock with. Just a chunk. Yeah, I miss the bottom end of the, like this, like the low bottom end, but you can just wind that in. It just like sits a bit with many, lots of guitars. It's yeah, sort of yeah. sits a bit, pokes out a bit more. Yeah. And it's because it's active, it's just got a bit more. It's interesting, you know, Lewis Johnson and, and Bernard both both used that sound. 
Yeah. For the for the disco stuff. It's a good it's a good sound. It's yeah. A, it's really hit. Well, is it is it a good sound because we've heard it in that context and it's just like, yeah, that's what we associate with that thing. Well, I think um, um, that's, that's probably that's a lot to do with it. I think like same with the Fender bass and the yeah. Ampeg. You yeah. know, it's like you you plug the Fender bass into the Ampeg amp and it sounds like all the bass that you've ever heard. Yeah. You know? Um, and yeah, I think there's like a lot to be said about that. Like, you know, but if you look at like Queen and mm-hmm. and then all that disco stuff and the Michael Jackson stuff, it's like, yeah. I suppose it's a, lot, it's a broad it ar- is, yeah. array of um, yeah, sounds. ACDC, like Back in Black and I think Power Age were recorded on a, right. or some of it was recorded on a Stingray. Music, uh, Stingray. Yeah. So it's like pretty, you know, when you hear it, it's like, oh, okay, that's the... Um, didn't, you, didn't Pino? Yeah, all that fretless stuff. Fretless? All fretless Stingray. Stingray. Um, yeah. You know, and um, some all that um, Tony Levin stuff as well is all Stingray. Mm. Um, not all of it, but you know, like there's some typical Stingray sounds that come out of those mm. Peter Gabriel records as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so that's like, that's quickly becoming the other go-to is right. that Stingray. Is it a uh, blonde? Yeah, it's all natural. Yeah. I think um, I had a, I think I had a 80, 88 or 89 that was all, all natural and I got a I got a see-through pick guard put on it for extra disco yeah it's pretty cool um, um, it's, that's the only thing that I've struggled with is the colour I didn't think it would bother really? me yeah. yeah but it's just like all the other instruments I have are sort of dark, no dark. Um, and this is like it's a different it's thing not, you know? yeah. it's like whoa hang on <laughs> it's like when you try and wear like a pink shirt or something and you've You've been a you're dark not, shirt guy. You're not confident enough to roll. No, yeah. it's it's getting there. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, I just didn't think it would affect me, but it definitely yeah. has a little. Bit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's it's good that you brought up Bernard Edwards because I think he's one of those. A lot of time he's not really brought up in the, you know, the echelons of of bass heroes, so to speak. But for me personally, I think he's you know an incredible example of creativity and and tone yeah and you know time just and he had his sort of his, had his own technique as well which i yeah you know I, I can't play it it's you know that's sort of like i think he's sort of like yeah he's sort of doing this half picking thing you know yeah and it's, it's like Oh, I kind of have no idea of how yeah. to play it, but it's something like that, you know. And you watch the videos, and it just looks. Just, like, yeah, it's just like his hands like, is like <laughs> flopping away at it. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool. Like that. That sound is so unique. Yeah, I, but I think also his use of space, like his sparseness and stuff like that, note length, it taught me a lot about. Yep. You don't have to play all all the time, kind of thing, to have a bass line. No. So leaving that space for the for the backbeat and building your bass line I thought it was really good yeah there's there's a lot of those bass lines that are incredible like just yeah. the way how well um, designed they are for want of a better term yeah that's good um, yeah it's it's heavy stuff yeah man um, and so recently you've been doing some more I guess modern pop oh uh, yeah around, around um, the place around the place so it's a, fu- a couple of funny little um, like Session calls, I suppose. Yeah. I don't really refer to myself as a session musician. I suppose I am, half the time. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, that um, we did a little show with Rita Ora in December, which was pretty fun down down here in Melbourne. Okay. Um, Whereabouts was that? That was like a like a promo thing at oh, South Bank somewhere. Okay. Um, where all those shops and stuff are. Um, there's some like wedding venue yeah. place there. And yeah, that was cool. That was like that was an interesting like thing that of like we're doing six songs. There's like a few moments where there might be synth bass. Yeah. And like for you know for like a the half a verse mm. or something. And that's that thing. It's like well we we get to the first rehearsal and we have a moog there and it's like we can do this. But then it's like look for half a thing just you know. Yeah. It's only bass. Yeah. It's, it's only it's only again it's <laughs> going to be it's just making everything rumble anyway. You yeah. Know? yeah. So. Um, yeah, so that and then, um, which was fun. That was that was really fun. It was an interesting way of like rehearsing. We didn't really rehearse with her at all. Okay. Um, we sort of just she wasn't here, or yeah, she wasn't here. She like literally yeah. flew in and sung. Like had we had half a rehearsal and then, yeah, which was like yeah, pretty full on because you were sort of rehearsing without the singing and like I using the singing for all my cues on where, how long the song's going for and yeah and it's not really there is this the chorus or is yes it? yeah it's just this is the the verse that has the stop in it or is that the next yeah. one or the um how, how do you go about absorbing repertoire um i tend to depending on the gig i tend to like i find that if i write a quick chart mm-hmm. i can like visualize it. visualize the structure of the song um, especially if it's like knowing where to put the bridge mm. and then um, and then I just sort of learn it and then just have to just yeah just over and over yeah and over no, I just I just like it's normally hearing it's not so much playing just hearing it's it. hearing so I can hear where the the harmony's moving and the, yeah and what the bass is doing against that and then then once you pick it up it's too yeah then it's like cool it's like it goes to the four chord there and then it goes to you know it drops down to minus six and then you know like you just start to hear that and then yep um yeah just using like the chart to sort of prompt yeah just prompt those yep um parts that need they're the crucial parts you know like the double chorus or the bridge or the things that you can't really wing yeah don't forget no don't forget the bridge no whatever you do um yeah so that was so that's yeah we just and we rehearse and it's just like committing Knowing when to, you know, read a, and focus on something and knowing when you can use your ears, I suppose, is another thing, you know. Mm. Um, I did. I was lucky enough to do a TV show about 10 years ago where we played every week and we backed people. And oh, cool. It's like a quick like a quick learn, like the songs might come through on the Tuesday and we had to be rehearsing on Wednesday and okay. just learn how to write stuff out quick yeah. and learn what the things that you need to prompt yourself for and the yeah things that you don't you know like so that you're not just like following the chart for stuff you don't need yeah and it's like you just but there's like cool you just look down and go we've got eight bars of this and then we're going to go to the next thing it's like just working out everyone's got a different way of doing it but i think that doing that was like really cemented a workflow for me um and then yeah and then from that it's like i feel like you just get better at learning songs is the more you do it yeah um yeah so that was that was cool that was cool because it was like <clears throat> some of those synth things meant that i could do use some pedals to get like finally yeah fine <laughs> and then the md was like great that's cool you know okay and um the same thing with the uh the joey badass thing i did um last month or month before the same thing there's like a few 
parts where there was like some super chorus sounds and there was some sub sounds yep. and they were just going to run them off track and it's like well I can I'm, I'm here. yeah I can, I can do it do it here and it's like then yeah. we're, we don't we're not like when we're just all playing as a band and it's great cool you know and I don't have to bring in a, a Moog yeah which is just another thing two things carry a stand and a keyboard you know yeah. it's like cool I'm ha- totally happy not to do that and yeah. carry less and <laughs> um, you know and then not have to concentrate on changing instruments and just yep. play the one thing um, so that's it's been good it's been a nice little um, change to sort of just do some Hmm. Just different things. Some, it's all. some kind of high-profile session stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose I don't see it as. I suppose it is high-profile. I don't see it as high-profile, but I suppose it's just like it's just fun to be in that environment where it's moving quick and it's like you only get one shot at it. Yeah, it's like the culmination of all the stuff that you've been. Yeah, working on to some yeah, extent. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's you refine your 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 shit to 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 be good at this stuff, and yeah. it's great when someone goes, "Hey, um, come do it." Yeah. for me and you've got like one go yeah. and it's you know it's cool it's like it's different from playing live in a band because even it's the same pretty much the same gig but you know you sort of got a bit more you might have a few more rehearsals or you might yeah. you know you, the first gig's always cool to everyone's a bit like Find their, yeah. Yeah, finds their feet and you're working out how to play the drummer or whatever and mm-hmm. in this instance you don't really have that you just got to go in and and do it straight away which yeah. is what was exciting about doing the sideshow those years ago was that um, yeah sometimes you'd just meet the artist on the day and you'd sort of work the song out and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you're playing it <laughs> and it's the it's one one shot and it's the TV so it's like that's it there's no yeah you can't make a mistake and if you do it's there it's there for you <laughs> for life <laughs> Which lucky I don't think I actually made any like proper proper mistakes on that yep. show, which was good. That's impressive. Always nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. I think having a good MD was helps. Helps like you know, like understanding how the band plays together and mm-hmm. you know what needs to happen and what needs to be rehearsed and what all those things and the right the right guys you know yeah. like the right drummer so that you're not like. Are you not in, thinking about you that? Maybe seeing yourself more of an MD position. Yeah, I've done a bit of it. Yeah. Um, it's just it's when it happens, it happens. It's great to work with teams who you um, know, mm-hmm. and and it's like, and you just get going straight away, you know, and you know the result, you know how people people's personalities mesh, and you know how they approach mm-hmm. their instrument, and then so it's great and get in, and then you know that you can make the music you can stretch out something or you can the band will go this way if you want them to because you know that they go that way yeah um, which is exciting I think that's really <clears throat> a fun thing to do yeah and I guess you've seen that you know from, from working with Jackie as well and, and, and modern stuff you've got a a wide um, let's see source to draw from in terms of how to, how to work with different musicians yeah how to engage people how yeah. to get the best out of people definitely and, how, but still, how to you know realize the vision of the artist or the song? Yeah, that's the that's the that's the thing is getting the best out of people. Mm. It's like when you're in those positions where just the I mean any any position. It's not just music. I mean you know. Yeah. It's like knowing that when you go somewhere and it's like some some cafe manager's been talking down to the yeah. person. You know, you can tell that it's like they're not getting the best of the yeah from the that yeah. person. Yeah, you know, it's like it's going to be a bit burnt. Yeah, exactly. 
but if they'd just been supportive and you know probably they'd probably be well, that, great you know because they'll, they'll end up going that extra mile yep for yeah and then the, and the person if if like in that md situation if you feel like you've got you can suggest something mm. you know and it's a and if the idea is going to get listened to yeah or you know and the mutual respect means that if it's not a good idea they'll just go no and you go cool and you're okay no, with no, that. No, no, no yeah I'm not gonna like go home and cry about it. You know, it's like cool, like that's totally understandable, and yep. having those everyone together like that, it's great because you can then go, then you get a great result because it's like, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about dropping the bass out for for four bars there yep. or whatever, or a slap bass solo. Yeah, or yeah, or just yeah, <laughs> just turn all the pedals on and slap bass solo. Yeah, sixteen bars and then end the song. Yeah, it, it should just be always your default suggestion. It's a terrible suggestion. See, I gotta say, I'm not a fan of slap you. bass solo. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, you know, love, 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 love. One of these days will go. Actually, yeah, <laughs> I think blues festivals have wrecked that for everyone. The bass, the slap bass solo. It's like, I get it. I had this um, <clears throat> when I first went to did my first like. Um, mission to the states you know when i'd done some bunch of touring and yeah my first pilgrimage and and had a bit of cash and um went over and had a lesson with um Rhonda Smith in, oh cool in uh, la wow and it was great she was really cool she was like we had we had a lesson and there was a drummer there which was great because it was like try playing this and then the drummer could count it in and awesome yeah, and it was great to have a lesson like that because we were like focusing on, like, I didn't need to get taught how to play a scale, you know, I was like yeah. wanting to check out some certain things. And so with the drummer there, it was like really cool to play off that. Yeah. Um, and have him there like just playing a groove so I could work out what that thing was mm -hmm. rather than trying to, I don't know, trying to work, like you can't feel it the same way. Yeah. Um, but she's of that thing, you know, like, you know, maybe you get four bars if you're doing one of those big high profile gigs yeah. you have like four bars to yeah to say so everyone you show everyone your shit so you've got to what are you going to do you've you got to have the, the thing you've got to yeah. have the facility and the and it was great having that lesson because i was like that's not me mm. you know I, I was like cool that's that's you and i totally respect it yeah but that's not i'm not don't think i'm that guy i don't have the four bars don't have the of magic in me. Tri triplety, tibbity. Yeah, I have the. Yeah, I don't have the. I don't have that thing for the yeah. blues festival crowd. Yeah, which is cool. Um, but it was interesting. Like, it's good to like have that chat. And yeah, she taught me some cool shit and just that whole thing of having heaps. She, her vibe was like having heaps in reserve, so that like facility wise, like oh. way further than what like we were talking about before. Like, yeah, so that you could. So she's pretty handy. Play play anything. Yeah, she's like like three fingers and. Like all like lots of like all her stuff techniques are like lots of stretching stuff mm. and like very quick facility. Yeah. Um, yeah. And one thing that stuck out to me about Rhonda was she always seemed to have a great tone. Yeah. I think that's from just having all that facility. Yeah, the You've, control. The control is there, yeah. Mm. It's a lot of um there's I don't not enough like you said about control when you mm. in bass playing. Like when you're learning, you know. Something you sort of learn yourself. Yeah. Like how long a note should be. Yeah. and all that stuff and that's like that's what defines how cool really something is. sounds definitely um, and it's not uh, you can't really teach it though no you can be made aware of it yep I think about you know listen to Bernard Edwards or you know listen to yeah or Willie Weeks or any yeah. of those you know great, any of the great bass players exactly you know? yeah um, but some people don't get past don't 
can't hear that. No. Or it takes them a while, yeah, which is, we all learn at different paces. Indeed. Man, we've probably got to wrap it up because I've got to get yeah. you to the, the airport. Yes, that's right. That was awesome, man. Thanks, Craig. Yeah. Good chat. Um, more than welcome. Cheers. Yeah, Tim Connick, everybody. guys i hope you enjoyed the interview there with tim um big thanks to tim for agreeing to come on the show i really appreciate everybody that um gives up their time to come and hang with me and talk bass for a bit so thanks to tim um also thanks to my sponsors fbase which you can find at fbase.com and baseface strings who are currently at bassinyourface.com.au Again, if you like the music that you're hearing um, at the st- at the start and at the end of this podcast, these are brand new tracks from my band Pickpocket, um, pickpocketfunk.com. You can find all the information there. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time for more bass chat. See ya.